What is up, guys? Thanks for tuning in to the next episode of the Three Peaks Fitness Podcast. I'm Coach Mark. I'm Coach Lynette. And today we actually have another coach with us, Coach Dan. Hello, guys. What's going on, Coach Dan? How are you? I'm doing good. How have you guys been? Good, 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 good. Well, we, we appreciate you coming on, man. Um, we're really excited. We know you you are a uh, you have a, a wealth of knowledge in the uh, fitness space. But why don't you kind of why don't we start this off with you introducing yourself? Who is Dan? Give us the ninety second rundown. Uh, yeah, sure. So um, I've grown up here in Baltimore um, and lived here pretty much my whole life. I grew up in Essex. I live in Dundalk now. Um, I'm a project manager for a finance company for my day job, but um, obviously I help you guys out too um, when necessary for nutrition work. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's most of my day. If I'm not at work, I'm probably at the gym um, or here with my dog. So <laughs> nice. Been like lately. Nice, nice. So I know you have a pretty interesting story. You said, you know, in regards to your fitness, you said you spent a lot of time in the gym and stuff like that and, and working out and you have all kinds of certifications and it's not even your, it's not even your, your full-time job. You know, you're, you're, it's obviously a passion of yours, but what kind of got you into fitness in the first place? Yes. Yeah, so, uh, my first few years in college, uh, I worked at a planet fitness, uh, that was kind of what got me into it. Um, free gym membership. So I got the chance to use it and it, you know, got to see a little bit of results, wanted to learn a little bit more about it. Um, but also too going through all that, I wound up hurting myself, um, at the gym. And from there, it kind of spiraled into me trying to find ways to figure things out for myself. I uh, wasn't getting too much help from doctors, things like that. So learning more about how to move better, how to breathe better, things like that, that became um, kind of like a rabbit hole that I dove down for a while. And that was really what got me pretty deep into fitness, got the, me into certifications, things like that. It was a little bit selfish. It was more for me trying to figure out things for myself. Uh, but at the same time too, it's massively educational and it's, it's helped me get better, but uh, you know, I've had better fitness results because of it too. So, um, a lot of time just spent studying. Yeah, because I like it, but also to help myself too. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I think you're not the only one, Dan. I think a lot of us are in the fitness industry because first we were doing it for ourselves and then we want to turn around and help others. So, yeah, I agree. I mean, it was something at the gym to help people too. Um, I did work as like the trainer at Planet Fitness for a little while myself, but uh, it wasn't so much ever about that. It was it was more for myself, but it is the more that I've learned, the more I've wanted to try and help somebody else with it besides myself. So there's way more out there than I think most people realize. And it's not just what is on a magazine cover in a quick five minute article online. So there's a lot out there to be learned and a lot of different ways to get to goals. Yeah, you really, you said you took a deep dive and uh, that's, um, that is exactly what you did. You went really deep into your certifications. You got a CSCS um, with the National Strength and Conditioning Association. And then you also got a certification through the Postural Restoration Institute, which most people don't know what that is, but can you really briefly explain why that's a big deal? Yeah, so the CSCS I actually got because I wanted the Postural Restoration Institute uh, certificate. Uh, you couldn't take certain courses unless you had that as a prerequisite. 
Um, so I sat down and for like 18 months, cranked through the home study for the CSCS. Um, that you actually can't even get, I don't think anymore, unless you have a degree in some exercise related field, which I don't. So um, it's, you know, it was no easy task, but the PRI stuff, the Postural Restoration Institute um, was something I stumbled across a long time ago when I was dealing with all my back pain. Um, and the first thing when I landed on their site, you see pictures of people blowing up balloons and things like that. And it just looks really kind of weird. And I'm not going to lie, I kind of like some witchcraft stuff. And I dismissed it. I hopped off their page and never came back to it. And then a few years later, I found out more about it. And that's when I started going for the CSCS to get involved in it more um, because I had seen it actually be able to work on me. Um, so the Postural Restoration Institute was, is more or less a sort of physical therapy. Um, their focus is breathing and getting proper muscles to either engage or be inhibited based on how you're breathing and the position that your body is in. Um, but it was able to help me strengthen some things that I needed strengthened and inhibit other things that I needed to let go of. Um, so obliques being a big one, uh, one of those things, I know that's kind of the topic for the day, but um, it's also just extremely interesting to finally see that there's information and therapy and stuff out there where they treat your body as a whole unit, that one piece kind of can't have something wrong without the other piece, you know, if there's another piece damaged or not working right. Um, and that was kind of what brought me into that. And even kind of how I think about fitness a lot of times myself now, it's just you know, you, you, our world is so, uh, you have a knee pain, or if you want to grow a certain muscle, you have to do these localized things. And there's just more to it, it to, to our bodies. They don't all just work in an isolation like that. And, um, that's kind of what brought me, me into it. But the PRI stuff goes far past to what I know. I've only taken two courses. There's probably a dozen and it goes well past <laughs> the tiny bit of knowledge that I have. Um, I'm pretty sure the one class that I took, I was the only person who didn't have some type of doctorate degree um, in the room. So it, it's extremely interesting stuff, but it's also extremely beneficial and it's changed how I train because of it. So how would you say that it's, uh, what are some of the biggest ways that it's impacted the way that you train? Um, it's put a focus on certain things that I never used to have when I was in my twenties and I hurt myself. It was very much kind of your typical bro workout. I was lifting way too much with my ego and not enough focus on trying to keep myself safe, but also it was much more for vanity, things like that. Once I got hurt and then started to see how this stuff could kind of get me out of the, the pain and the kind of poor postures that I was maintaining throughout the day, it made me realize that maybe certain muscles don't need to be trained a certain way. Um, for example, you know, you, you get really tight hamstrings on a lot of people for a whole lot of different reasons. But one of the first things we all jump to is something like, well, you need to stretch them. They're tight. And it's not always the case. I mean, if you think about like your muscles, like a rubber band and it, when it's tightest, it's actually already lengthened. So maybe something you want to do in your training is not try and lengthen them, but actually get them in a shortened position and let them relax. Um, so maybe you don't want to drain your hamstrings and keep hinging at your waist and, and everything a lot. I mean, even if that's your goal, it might not be something you need right now. Maybe you need to 
to do something else to back off of that first for a little while. Um, and same thing too with like your calves attach back on that side of your knee joint too. So like for a while I didn't train my calves just because I was going through this kind of rehab process of trying to get things on the posterior chain of my body to chill out. So I didn't train my calves, uh, really at all. I didn't train my hamstrings very, very hard, but I did have a huge focus on my glutes. For example, that was something that was extremely weak in my case. Um, obliques was the same thing, huge focus on obliques. So it just changed kind of what I wanted to train, um, to try and help me stay in a better position throughout the day and leverage my body in a better way. And then now it's not as much of a deal, big deal. I've worked through it enough where I train my hamstrings on a regular basis. I train my calves on occasion. They don't ever grow, but, um, you know, it, it's genetics, uh, man, it's genetics. <laughs> yeah. It, it, now it's, it's not as bad, but it was for a while. It, it makes you have to make modifications. You know, you have to pick a, you do have to pick a goal and that's something I have found. I'm not saying you can't do multiple things at the same time, but if you want the best results for something, you kind of have to pick one thing that you really want to focus on. And mine was, I need to be out of pain. Um, mm -hmm. And now that I'm there, I, I can work on other things, but um, yeah, that was the big one. That's such a good point I, uh, that you said towards the end there, when you are, you know, whatever fitness journey you're on, you kind of have to pick one thing and focus on it one thing at a time. Um, yeah. and a lot of times there's, there's, uh, levels to it. There's layers to it. Right. So, um, we, uh, you know, it's all well and good. If let's say, you know, I want to focus on weight loss. I want to lose weight. Right. But if I don't know how to move, right. I'm just going to end up probably hurting myself and <laughs> not yeah. staying consistent. So I would then need to learn how to move properly. Okay. Well, let's say my goal is I want to move properly. Right. Well, then it's about identifying, you know, which imbalances I need to address first. And so there's, there's, there's layers to it. And I think a lot of us can get in, uh, we have a tendency to just kind of want to jump right to the end, right. And, and, and focus on that one goal that we want without addressing all these underlying things first. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Lynette talked to me a lot about it when I first started with you guys, but it's almost like asking those why questions over and over to get to the root of why you want to do something you kind of have to figure that out. So, you know, where you're really kind of starting. And then you also need to start peeling back. Okay. Well, what can you actually even do? Like, where can we start? Because like you said, I know you want to jump into and you want to see results and everything, but when you just dive head in, you're bound to just kind of hit a wall really quickly and get overwhelmed by everything that's going on. Um, as opposed to taking just a small chunk at a time, you know, they add up and they can add up pretty quickly too, especially if you're new to things. So and it's yeah. a hard thing to, to want to deal with not getting the immediate gratification, but it is important that you make it manageable for yourself. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so now, you know, I know we wanted to talk about the obliques. Um, I'm assuming, you know, with, with your situation and your back and stuff like that, you, you know, there's a big focus on your core, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about, I guess, first, you know, explain to, to everyone kind of what, what the obliques are and then kind of give us the rundown on why they're important. And, you know, maybe you can relate that to, to how it kind of impacted you, you know, on, on your journey. Sure. Yeah. So obliques, uh, are the muscles on your core on your left and right side. Um, they kind of wrap around you a little bit like a girdle. Um, they attach on your hips and, on your spine and ribs as well. But 
they're basically what allow you to do things like flex or si uh, side bend, um, rotate, and they actually are muscles of uh, exhalation as well. They they help squeeze or cinch in on your your core to uh, help get air out of your lungs. They act on your diaphragm to help it be able to do its job to get that air out. Um, so yeah, I mean, it definitely was a big part of the whole PRI experience for myself um, and things that I had to train for a while um, and not train necessarily in the way that most people think of like trying to load up a heavy dumbbell or a weight or anything. Um, you know, the goal wasn't to pack on a ton of mass in those areas, but it was to get them to function in a better way. Um, so yeah, I mean, the, the way that that uh, kind of training came into play was more about using it for its mechanical purpose. I mean, your obliques do, a lot, like I said, a lot of different things, um, but when they're not working right and in unison with other things, you can end up just in, in poor positions. Um, and big one is seeing people with their ribs flared up or only being able to breathe really into their chest. Um, and that was kind of a focus of mine as I, I was really stuck in a stretched out posture. So my obliques were really weak, especially on the left-hand side, which is typical of people. Um, and there were ways to try and train them. So it wasn't, like I said, just crunches. It was breathing and forcefully trying to exhale the air all the way out. And if you do that right, you're actually probably going to be amazed by how much force and and uh, tension you start to feel in your obliques. If you can get a full exhale out, your obliques should tighten up and and basically become solid, like you're about to get hit in the gut. Um, mm -hmm. And holding that position then is just like any other you know type of workout. You're you're holding a contraction, uh, and then the goal is to be able to breathe back into that tension. Um, so almost kind of like a negative, essentially, like trying to fight against your ribs and your obliques wanting to move um, when you didn't want them to. Uh, so that was a lot of what the PRI's training was. The basis of their platform is essentially how you're, at the simple level, how your obliques and hamstrings work in unison to act on your pelvis and ribcage to help you breathe better and stay in better positions or obtain better positions. Um, and that was what I really lacked. I had really poor pelvic position, really poor rib cage position. And a lot of it was due to poor hamstring position and poor oblique position. Um, so it wasn't a ton of side crunches or anything like that. There were some planks involved. Um, but really it was a lot of even just things on your back breathing. Um, it works its way up. So it was like trying to start at the simplest level of being on your back, no gravity involved. And then work your way up to something like a plank, kind of uh, that biased whatever side you were trying to focus on. Uh, and then eventually you got into standing positions where the breathing became into play and you were actually trying to move and breathe at the same time uh, while focusing on controlling those muscles. Um, that was really kind of how it got into PRI, but it's translated over a lot into other training and how I view training your core in general, it just made me realize there's a kind of a goal for your, your core. You don't have, you can train it like other muscles, you know, to be become bigger, to become bulkier if that's what you want to do. Um, they are kind of like a hard muscle, I guess, to put a little bit of mass on like every, like 
kind of the other muscles that are used a lot, like your legs or your calves or things like that. I mean, those are wear and tear muscles that are used all the time. You kind of have to beat them to death if you want a ton of mass or anything to come out of them. But um, they can certainly still be trained other ways. I mean, I know Lynette had mentioned, um, you know, having some issues with people trying to train them and having back problems or back pains, things like that. Um, but the way I've just come to appreciate my core having gone through all that is to try when I do core workouts to kind of focus on using, doing some type of exercise where I use the core in some way that it probably will be used throughout the day. So like your core can do a handful of things and your obliques, especially um, like your obliques, like I said, they laterally flex you. So they side bend you left and right, and then they twist you, but they also resist daily forces. So like if somebody came to shove you over, your obliques have to kick in. Um, if they if somebody tries to twist you, your obliques are going to actively resist that twist for you. So you want to be able to do those things. You know, if something to open a door, for example, you have to be able to twist and pull that back. Um, but if you wanted to hold a door shut from somebody coming in, same thing, you have to resist that force. So when I train, I think of those things in mind. So like I'll do pull-off presses to actively resist the force of rotation, but at the same time, I might do rotational chops in the same workout um, or do a plank to just work on something stabilizing, but at the same time do something flexion-based where maybe I do like a side crunch or um, a loaded carry, things like that. But they don't always have to have load, whatever it is, but I like to just train it around all the different ways that your core typically moves. And that really stemmed from having to figure out how to move my core and breathe at the same time from a lot of the PRI stuff that I went through. Yeah, there's a lot. I There's so many, you know, back injuries that occur, you know, from people, you know, golfing is a big one, right? This that violent rotational motion through people throw their backs out or even simple things like, you know, <clears throat> you ran to home Depot and you're taking mulch out of your trunk. Right. And you're, oh, you know, you throw your back out. So, you know, it's really important. It's not just for, you know, people who are really into fitness. It's important for everyone to yeah. strengthen their, it, their core. It really is. And I mean, that's kind of the thing too. We, when we're doing weight training, we all understand and like appreciate the fact that you might want to be in a more rigid position. Like you don't want to be under a load and move. Uh, essentially, you know, that generally leads to bad things when your spine can't be stable when you're under a heavy load. But at the same time, you know, not everything in life is a barbell or a dumbbell that you can bend over nice and pretty with a flat back and a really rigid core to pick things up. Like if you have to pick up that bag of mulch, you might have to have a rounded back when you do it. And there's no reason in the world why we shouldn't be able to, but you do need to have a strong enough set of core muscles and back muscles to be like, okay, I'm not going to snap in half when this happens. Um, or pull something because I'm already really tight or in a certain position and now I'm just making it worse. Um, and I think there's something to be said about being able to use your obliques well and, and breathe and help kind of turn off some of these other muscles or inhibit some of the other muscles around them to let them do their job a little bit. That That's, you know, not to be a plug for PRI, but like that was kind of the gist of it is to be able to inhibit some of the muscles that typically are tense on a lot of people and let more muscles do the things that they're supposed to do instead of abusing the ones that we've become so commonly used to doing everything for us and without even realizing it. Cause those are the ones that you end up getting that petty strain where you do something really light and, you know, 
it's just overuse most of the time. So, mm -hmm. yeah, for sure. Yeah, a lot of people will blame an injury on something they did in the gym or or some event, one single event, mm -hmm. when it's really accumulation of bad movement over time. It really is. I mean, they still happen to, to me all the time. And, it, you know, it's bound to happen. But the last time something really bad happened to me, it was a couple good couple of days of back pain, but I had just come from the gym. I was fine. Um, went in my backyard, picked something up that wasn't even 30 pounds, sat it down and I felt my back go. So, you know, it, and I thought I was doing everything fine too. I may, when I pick things up now, I'm hyper-conscious of how I do things and I still messed it up. So again, it, it is just, it's completely overuse of just the wrong things at the wrong time and learning how to inhibit things definitely makes a difference. Um, and your hands hamstrings and your obliques for sure are, are big ones in being able to do that. They should be the ones helping you breathe and not using your neck and your chest and your upper back and everything to breathe on a regular basis. Cause you think about that and this is kind of the big premise behind it, but like when those muscles that aren't really used for breathing are used more than they should be to help with that process, you breathe something like 20 something thousand times a day. I mean, it's one of the most common things that you're ever going to do throughout the course of your life. And if you're doing that in a really bad and poor pattern over and over and over again, you're using muscles that aren't designed to help you inhale and exhale a ton instead of the ones that should be used. Well, you're weakening the ones that should be used. You're exacerbating the use of other ones that shouldn't be used and they're going to get tired and put in poor positions and things like that. And then when you come time to actually need those muscles, that's when you're liable to get a neck tweak, upper back tweak, something like that, that shouldn't happen. Um, and like I said, that's usually because they're firing way too much and you want to turn them off. And that's where the obliques come in to help you breathing wise too. So when you have solid obliques and you can control them and breathe with them, even with just a little bit of tension in them, you're probably better off being if you can do that. So everything else gets its chance to relax a little. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, it's super fascinating. So we touched on <clears throat> the obliques and training things. I want to switch gears a little bit here uh, and kind of talk about, you know, the nutrition side of things, because you're also a precision a PN1, you're a nutrition coach, you coach some of the clients here um, at Progressive Athletics. Um, you know, I'll kind of just jump right out there and ask. So in regards to coaching clients in your experience, what would you say are some of the common myths and and traps that your your clients have fallen into uh obviously prior to coming to you <laughs> you know what what sort of you know fad stuff have they fallen victim to um big one i think is that people need at least keeping on the nutrition topic it, that they have to eat certain things or certain ways um i am by no means the poster child for eating a certain way i ate a bag of gummy bears last night like i I don't have an issue with people eating things that they want to eat. I think people think that whatever they're about to embark on is going to involve them eating bland chicken and a bunch of lettuce and things that they don't want to eat. And it just starts their mindset off miserably. Mm -hmm. um, and you're not going to want to continue when you do things like that. That's been just a big premise from people. A few of the people that I've coached with you guys and then just people outside of my life too, they come to me with questions and the first thing they're like, is this okay to eat? And I'm like, 
I, I, you know, it, it's not near as important on what you're eating as much as it is, especially if you have a weight loss goal of how much you're consuming. And I'm not saying what you eat isn't important. It absolutely is. And it will change the landscape of how you feel and all as well. But the bigger thing at that point of, I just need to lose some weight. Well, you got to start by not eating as much. Um, I think that's a big thing is there's just yeah, you've got to eat a certain way. You don't have to find things that you know you can eat the bigger part of everything. And this is the other one. It's like, I think maybe, I guess if I can do something really well a couple times, it might work, but it's, it doesn't, it's consistency too. You can't four out of seven days do this and expect something to work out right. Um, you know, I struggle with this a lot myself, but, and everybody does, but you unfortunately do have to be very consistent whenever you're aiming for any goal in life, to be honest, but fitness or weight loss, especially, it doesn't take much to put yourself out of a calorie deficit if your goal is losing weight. Um, so when you decide to splurge on a weekend or, um, you know, travel and decide not to have any game plan going into it and you break your ability to be consistent, I think that's the other big one of people just underestimate how important really being consistent on a daily basis is. And I know life happens. Um, it does for everybody, but if it's going to be done, you have to be able to account for those things too. And understand that like, Hey, I, I can plan around my life at least a little bit. So, you know, even if you just know that for a single day, like your day is going to be really rough and the best you could probably do is 80% hit your 80% for the day at that for that day that's a hundred percent like and you can't be mad at yourself for that um but i think those two things are like the two biggest ones of just how consistent do i need to be because i think people just naturally want to do the least amount of effort possible um mm -hmm. but then also you know this idea of i just i need to eat some perfect diet and it just it doesn't exist you need to the perfect diet is the one you're going to end up being consistent on the most often right while still trying to hit your goal so yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. What do you, what about you, Lynette? Do you, have you experienced sim similar things like with your clients? Oh yeah. They, um, in the first place, they'll avoid the topic or, um, they'll wait a really long time to even start coaching because they feel like, oh, she's going to take away whatever their favorite thing. Oh, they're going to take away my beer. They're going to take away my pizza. I'm, I'm not ready to give all that up. So I'm not ready to coach with you. They think it's going to be this big, overwhelming, you know, I'm going to hand them a list of uh, foods they have to eat and foods they, they can't eat and all these do's and don'ts. And they don't realize, uh, like Dan said, that it's a matter of doing what you can every day and improving in tiny, tiny increments. And it's really not the big, it's not a big change. You don't do it all at once. So uh, yeah, if they would start with me much, much quicker if they realized how small the changes are over time, it's not a big deal, but they really, it's so it stops them from beginning in the first place. Cause they think, oh, I'm going to have to do this whole thing, right? the all or nothing kind of thinking. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think, that, but I think that line of thinking, you know, comes from, <clears throat> excuse me, um, the society we live in, you know, there's so how many, you know, how many of our parents, you know, as we were growing up, did these crash diets, Adkins, this, that, you know, it's, it's, we kind of grew up in that world. And so I think a lot of people expect it, them to have to sacrifice so much 
in order to, to, you know, lose the weight they want to lose. Um, and there's not a lot of people, you know, coaching nutrition the way that you guys do, just to be honest, you know, a lot of people, especially you look online at those social media fitness influencers, they just give you this cookie cutter meal plan. That's, there's no way you're going to follow it long-term. Um, you know, and, and they say, you know, good luck. And if you're not able to stick to it, then they're like, you know, <laughs> it's your fault. Well, right? It's, it's, your fault. it's very to... seductive to hand yeah. people say, oh, here's the secret formula. Do this. Yeah. And it's, that's a very seductive idea. Oh, I can just do this for 12 weeks and then I'm good. I don't have to change mm-hmm. anything about myself. I just do this really hard thing for a short amount of time and then I'm done. Yeah. So, in well, some ways it's easier, but in the long term, you just go, you're back where you started and even worse off. Right. Exactly. Even worse off because every time you go through that, it messes with your relationship with food and just, it's really, really just not um, a good thing. But that's one of the reasons why I love what you guys do and what precision nutrition does is, um, you know, because nutrition is definitely a science, right? There's definitely a science behind it, but the way you coach it is, is more of an art, right? You kind of, you meet the client where they are, you, you, you take it down as small as you, you need to, in order for them to feel confident enough to like start making progress. And then you, you build from there instead of trying to force them into this, this mold of, okay, this is what you have to do. You know, there's definitely more than one way to get to your nutrition goals and no two people are going to tackle them the the same way. And like you said, meeting them where they're at, somebody might be okay and perfectly fine with being able to track calories or something like that, but somebody else may not be anywhere near there and just really needs to eat a handful of vegetables once in a while, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, it, everybody is in a different place in it. And I think, I think some people too come in with the idea that they're not where they should be and they want to immediately get there like they they know something is wrong they know they should be better and they see other people in different positions than them and they they want to be there and i think it's kind of motivating but discouraging at the same time to feel kind of behind the curve um and then seeing baby steps being taken by lynette and i doesn't necessarily make you feel great that the goal is ever going to get reached but again it's the consistency thing of just please stick with it. You'll get there. Things will happen quicker than you think if you can be more consistent. So that's, that's where, that's where it all happens is in the process, supposed to Mm -hmm. focus on the process, not the goal. Like you have to visit the goal to even figure out what your plan's going to be. But then once you've got your plan in place, kind of don't think about the goal, (laughs) focus on what you're doing today what the, what you can manage today. We talk about the, the, the dial method all the time. It's like, mm-hmm. where am I today? What am I, what am I able to do? And then be okay with that. You'll be so much more at peace, so much happier. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, they, they talk about joy and the journey. You hear that all the time. It's kind of a buzzword, but that's really what happens because it doesn't really matter what weight you're at. As long as you're heading in the right direction, you're going to be happier. Mm-hmm. I think that's part of, you know, or something to be said about that too, is because you can be handed a cookie cutter type program. And especially when it comes to diet, I mean, it's not hard to get a decent idea of how much somebody might have to take in calorie wise, but I mean, I don't know, do you really want to lose 10 pounds that quickly that, and feel miserable for the entire time that you end up doing it? Or are you willing to 
even just double that amount of time, but do it slowly, enjoy yourself through it and realize that this doesn't have to be a stressful thing on your day. Like the last thing somebody wants is to go through a rough day, force themselves to go to the gym or something, and then go home and look at this cookie cutter thing and be like, okay, all I can have today is a yogurt or something like that. And it just, it doesn't make you feel happy. It doesn't, it doesn't even feel natural. And I think you kind of mentioned it, Mark, it just makes a relationship with food that isn't happy either. Like it just, you shouldn't have to be, I don't know, disappointed with, with food or anything like that, or think you can't eat something or whatever it is. I mean, yes, there are times and places where, like I said, consistency comes into play. You probably, I mean, bless you if you can, but if you can't, most people can't fit a pizza in every weekend and still hit their goals. I mean, but it doesn't mean you can't ever have a slice or something. I mean, it just, your mental attitude and your health towards that, the, the whole process will impact the physical results that you get for sure. Yeah. I think it's tricky for some people because we look at a lot of us um, don't realize that, you know, fitness, nutrition, getting in shape, it's a bunch of different skills that stack upon each other. Um, And I don't think people realize it because, well, I eat every day, right? I move every day. I just need to change the way I do that, right? I just need to do it differently. Not realizing that there's all kinds of skills that you need to develop, at least like from a mental standpoint and, and, and strategies that you need to um, adopt before you can kind of get to that point that you want to get to. I mean, the, you know, a good comparison. I mean, it's kind of it's, it's like if I if I, you know, go to college. Right. You know, it's kind of like me. Well, like I, I, I can read right? Like, let me just take the final exam. No, I'll fail the final exam, right? Because I haven't like gone through the process of learning all the skills necessary to to pass that class. It's the same sort of thing. And, you know, that requires patience. You know, if if I'm in that class, you know, it's not beneficial for me to just sit there and try to like study for 24 hours a day for a week and then try to take it. I'll burn out. I'll, I'll fall off the wagon. I'll be like, screw this and I'll drop out. Right. You know, I need to, I need to take it slowly develop the skills, give myself time to adjust to these new skills and, and, and figure out how they fit into my life and then kind of go from there. And I think that if a lot of people maybe took, took that approach, more long-term approach, not as intense, but long-term approach, a lot more people would, would be where they want to be. Yeah, it might take you a year, it might take you two years, but you'll be there the rest of your life instead of falling victim to the cycle of, all right, I lost 20 pounds. Oh, now I gained 30. Okay, I lost 25 more pounds. Oh, now I gained 38 back. You know, it's it's just such a vicious, vicious cycle that we need to to help people break out of. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and your metaphor works out really well. I mean, just thinking about it, like I, you know, so schools and stuff, they offer abbreviated courses, you know, like an eight-week semester as opposed to 16. I mean, I don't know if either of you have ever done something like that, but that is beyond stressful to try and cram. A whole class into half of the time frame and still expect me to a be able to pass but to actually learn anything like i'm only trying to hit an end goal this isn't enjoyable i probably ain't going to do that great of a job at getting the final result that i want had i just been given more time i would be able to focus better um but i think kind of along the lines of the same metaphors like you mentioned you know well you move every day and you eat every day and you do all these things every day anyway so really at the end of the day, you just need to make adjustments to things you're already doing. Um, and I think people, like I said, they see the certain people doing things a certain way. And it's like, what has to be done, the change I need to make needs to be this. 
And it doesn't need to be. There's there's a million different ways to kind of hit the same end goal. And everybody's is going to look a little bit different. I mean, there's for sure some staples that I think, you know, everybody could probably benefit from, but it doesn't always have to be the same way. Like, and, you know, we, we all go to school and might be in the, all in the same class, but we all don't learn it, everything the same way, you know? So it's the same thing too. What works for somebody may not work for you and that's fine, but there's something that's going to work and you just need to be able to enjoy that process and get there. And, and I think forcing yourself into any type of cookie cutter type thing, um, or to follow somebody else's regimen is just, is probably not the best way to go about it. I mean, even for workouts too, you know, not everybody can do the same things that they need to. You don't need the same implements as somebody else does. You know, power lifter might need, needs barbells. That's what they focus on. But somebody who works at a desk job, who just wants to lose a couple of pounds, you probably don't even need them, you know, not saying you can't use them, but you may not need them just to get where you need to be. So it really is very user independent, um, and I think the more you can be flexible in those types of things, especially with what your understanding is of like, hey, for my goal, I can get there a bunch of different ways. I think that just takes a ton of stress off of mm-hmm. that, the person. For sure. For sure. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, look, Dan, we, uh, you know, I appreciate you uh, coming on. Is there anything else, either you or Lynette, anything else you wanted to let everyone know before we end this podcast? I think we had one final question for Dan. Oh, yes. Yes. Got forgot the question. So Dan, what are, what are three things that elevate your life? Hmm. Um, I will say, and I guess it's kind of fit or fitness related, but, um, I do enjoy really trying to get outside and go hiking like days like that, where I'm able to, um, just makes my day better. Nice to get outside, enjoy time, usually by myself too. So it, it just taking in a view certainly makes my life a little bit better. Um, of course, going to the gym does don't always want to be there, but I don't think unless I hurt myself going that day, there's probably never been a day where I've regretted going, uh, and knocking that out. Um, and then come to realize it more recently, but my family and friends really have made a massive impact on my life. And I don't think I kind of always appreciated that, but recently I've, I've come to, and it makes a big difference feeling like you have people in your corner and that has certainly elevated my life lately. Awesome. Very cool. Very cool. Very cool. Cool. Well, yeah, like I said, Dan, you know, I appreciate you, you coming on any, anything else now, anything else before, uh, (laughs) before we wrap this thing up? I think I'm good. Yeah, I really appreciate uh, Dan coming on here and sharing your expertise. You've learned so much. You've got so much to share. And we really, really appreciate you coming and sharing. We'll have to have you come into the gym and and do some more stuff with us. Yeah, no, for sure. I'm always uh, down to come in and, and I appreciate seeing you guys. It's always nice to see friendly faces. So, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we appreciate it, man. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Enjoy your weekend. All right. Bye-bye. Here.